Hey there, I'm Emlyn Miles Mattingly, your host for the Minority Money Podcast. I'm glad you're here. You know why? Because this is the place you can come to get your weekly finance, family, and fitness motivation, not only to experience success in those areas for yourself, but also to help others in our community achieve greatness too. Super happy that you're on the show with me. So let's jump right in. Welcome to the Minority Money Podcast. I am your host, Emlyn Miles Mattingly, founder and CEO of Gen Next Wealth, a fee-only financial planning and investment firm. Today, we are starting our month on finance. So I couldn't be more excited to be having this guest on. We met via social media. I started following her podcast. I started internet stalking her and seeing she is just incredible. And you guys are in for a treat. I know I say that every time, but I really do believe that every time we have a good guest on, which all of our guests have been great, that you guys are going to be in for a treat. So today we're joined by Nasima McElroy, and she is going to talk to us about her story. She has an incredible story. She is a mother and a labor and delivery nurse. She was, you know, struggling with her money, making six figures. And this is a common story. Like, you know, you make more money and you still can't out earn your financial ignorance. And so she knew she had to make some changes by shifting her mindset on her money and being intentional. She was able to pay off just under $1 million of debt. Yep. That's what I said. That's right. $1 million in debt in just two and a half years. So yeah. So get ready. Buckle yourself in, strap in, get ready to listen to what she has to say. Thanks for coming on the show. Well, thank you so much, Emlyn, for having me. I'm honored to be on your show. I'm super excited to be able to spread the good word to as many people that look like as possible because that is what my platform is all about, exposing people, other people just like us in the personal finance space because representation matters. And if we see other people that look like us doing it, we know it's possible for us. So I appreciate you having me on. I'm excited to share my story and hopefully people will get some value from it. Absolutely. You got to go and get some value. You paid off $1 million in debt. Like people's ears opened up as soon as I said, it's like, no way. Because, you know, I think like in one of the things that I did pick up on your podcast when I heard it, it just really stuck with me because I hear Dave Ramsey. Nothing bad to say about Dave Ramsey. Love the guy. I think he's great. But he does have some conservative values. He has some things that he believes in that may not resonate with minorities and people of color just because of the way that he goes about things. Now, to each its own, some people love him. I think the principles that he has work very well. However, not everybody's going to resonate with that. Mm -hmm. And when I listened to your podcast and you said that on there, I was like, okay, you know what? You're right. And I appreciated your honesty, candor, and being blunt, as you said you are. So if you could give the people a little background about yourself, just a brief background, and then we'll get into the details, but just to, you know, who you are, where you're from, what you do. All right. So I'm going to start from the beginning. I was born in the 80s yeah. in West Oakland. <laughs> the town in the house, right? The town is in the house. Okay. You better believe it. Yeah. So I am originally from West Oakland. Like, and when I say I'm from West Oakland, like I was born in my house, like a home birth oh, wow. in West Oakland. So I'm a true Oakland girl through and through. And if you can't tell by the way that I speak, even though I have several master's degrees, it has not been able to shake the Oakland out of me. <laughs> I'm from Oakland, went on to pursue a couple of master's degrees to end up being a labor and delivery nurse in the Bay Area. I have two girls now, and I have a platform called Financially Intentional, and I also have a podcast called Nurses on Fire. Now, the way that I got here was because 
I was doing all the things that I was supposed to do. I was making it like look like my life was popping all on the gram, <laughs> all on so- <laughs> All on Facebook. You was making it look like you was popping on the gram. Don't talk about that. No one does that. I was stunting on the gram. You know, I had a brand new house, five bedroom, five and a half bed house for me and my daughter. You need all them rooms, every one of them. Yeah, every, all of them. For what? Why? I had a luxury car. I made that coveted six figure income. But on the inside, you guys, like I was struggling. Everybody has always thought of me as somebody who's been really good with money. It's because I always know how to make money. Like at the end of the day, I'm always find a way to get money. Like making money has never been an issue. But I knew deep down that I wasn't where I wanted to be financially. And the thing that really messed me up was that I did not have anything in place for my daughter if something were to happen to me. So I was like, I got to figure this out and I got to figure it out quick. It was when my daughter was turning one right before her first birthday. And I was like, something has got to give. And I initially thought it was because I didn't know how to invest my money because, you know, I went through the whole housing crisis thing at 25. I have five houses. The market crashed. It resulted in me having two foreclosures, two short sales, eventually having to go through bankruptcy. And so I was scared to invest because to me, investing was risky and I could lose it all again after I had just kind of rebuilt. And so... I thought, okay, I need to learn how to invest. Googled investment podcast. Lo and behold, Dave Ramsey came up. I started listening to Dave Ramsey. At first, I was like, "Mm, I'm not really feeling him. But, you know, listening over and over again. And actually, what really got me was the debt-free screens when other people were on there sharing their stories. And I was like, okay, these people make a fraction of what I make, but they've been able to do some extraordinary things financially. So if they can do it, I can do it. Started implementing his baby steps. Started realizing that hey, maybe it's this $1,900 a month that I'm paying towards my student loans. That's really jacking me up. Let me figure out what I'm doing. Finally learned how to budget. Once I learned how to budget, I was like, figured out how to throw like four to $6,000 a month towards my student loans that started doing that consistently. Once I started seeing the freedom that it allowed me in my life, I wanted to share with my friends who also have daughters. Most of my friends have daughters with the exception of like one or two boys sprinkled in there. So I was like, my friends need to know this and our daughters need to know this. And so I was like, you guys, if I put this stuff like on a blog, because I hate repeating myself, will you guys read it? They were like, yeah. And so that's how Financially Intentional was born. So I started as I was paying off my debt, like showing my numbers, sharing what I was doing and how I was doing it and tips along the way. And so Financially Intentional was born. And that was towards the end of my debt payoff journey, paid off all my student loans, end up selling my mega mansion <laughs> that I had. And so that accounted for <laughs> most of the million dollars in debt. And yeah, it happened in two and a half years. And as I was going through it, best belief, I was like, I'm never going to get rid of this stuff. But this is just to tell you that, you know, once you get started on this path, things happen faster than you can imagine, but you just have to get started. But most people overestimate what they can do in a day but underestimate what they can do in a year. And so by taking these steps that really, really work, that I've implemented anybody in, and if I say anybody, I mean, if this girl from West Oakland can do it, anybody can do it. And so, yeah, I just encourage people to be more intentional financially. And then (laughs) I would just want everybody to know that, you know, creating wealth for themselves is possible and it's something that they deserve. Absolutely. I liked what you said there. You said people underestimate what they can do in a day or overestimate what they can do in a day Mm -hmm. and underestimate what they can do in a year. You know how like that is habit 101, right? 
just doing a little bit each day. And before you know it, you've strung together, you know, you do one day and then one day turns to two, two turns to three. Next thing you know, you got a week under your belt. Next thing you know, that week turns to two. And next thing you know, it turns into a month. And I think that sometimes we lose focus on the day and try to focus on the whole month instead of just say, let me just win today. Let me just do what I got to do. So hearing you say that really, really is good. So when someone's hearing this, because I've been there and I've listened to the Dave Ramsey people and other people from the fire community saying, oh, we paid off $100 million of debt and we're just happy. And I'm going to say this, and I'm saying this with love in my heart. <laughs> I look at it like when you watch, and this is funny to parallel to this, this just popped into my head right now. But when you watch HGTV, right? And they got like design on it. They got like these shows and they're going to renovate the house. And like, you know, he's a dog walker and she is like, you know, I don't know. <laughs> she does, you know, underwater basket weave, whatever. I don't know what she does. And their budget is like $2 million. You're like, how do you make $2 million? And so I think when I hear someone say that they paid off a million dollars in debt, my first initial thought is like, I think I'm in the same van. My listeners like, how do you even do that? Maybe that's just for her, not for me. But one of the things that you say is start where you are. So can you tell us about that? Start where, what yeah, does that mean? It seems preposterous, right? <laughs> like, what the hell? Like, how does somebody even have a million dollars in debt? One, I live in Oakland. Two, I have hella degrees, okay? So let's just put that into perspective. You may not live in Oakland. You may not live in a Bay Area. have like extreme housing debt. And you may not, you know, make six figures. It's all in perspective. But the thing is, is break down the ratios, right? Break down the ratios. Like how much do you make and how much debt do you actually have? And your ratio is probably similar to mine, okay? So just to make it real for you. But then like, we always have to start where we are. We think that we like to say, if I made more money, then I can do this. But actually, the way that you have to approach paying off your debt is you have to be that person that earns six figures. You have to think in that mindset. Like, if I made this X, Y, and Z amount of money, these are the kind of moves that I would make. If, you know, you have to put yourself, you have to be like most people think that they have to have something, then they can do something. But we need to start operating from a be, do, have mentality, which means that we have to be the person, then we'll get the results, then we'll have the results that we want to achieve. And so just kind of start where you are. And to bring that down to a practical level, if you make $50,000 a year, you need to see what you can do within your budget right now. You need to change the person that you're being right now, how you spend your money, what you're looking at. Most people don't know what's coming in and what's going out every month. And so just in that and being more intentional about how you spend your money and then figure out why am I making $50,000 a year? How come I'm not making $100,000 a year? And being that person that makes $100,000 a year, next thing you know, you're making $100,000 a year. So now you have that income, but now you have that mindset in the background that you know what to do with your money now. You're not approaching it from the fact that I'll figure it out when I get there because you've already had it figured out. So that's kind of where I'm like, start where you are. I like what you're saying there. And I want to throw in another, like a sub question on this because you talked about it before. There is a difference between budgeting and tracking. Yes. And I think a lot of people are tracking stuff and not budgeting, not allocating money. So what do you mean? What's the difference between budgeting and tracking? Can you share that with us? Budgeting is telling your money where to go in advance. Budgeting is giving every single one of your dollars an assignment and taking full control of your money. 
okay, budgeting does not represent deprivation. Budgeting gives you power and control over your money so that instead of you, you know, timidly checking your bank balances or you ignoring stuff that comes in the mail that has to do, <laughs> like ignoring your bills, basically you're in control of where every one of your dollars is. And so that's the difference between budgeting and tracking. Like you can end up in retrospect. Yeah. In retrospect, you can't do much, but you can plan for the future. But I mean, I hear what you're saying, but we got some stuff coming up and I really want to go do this. Like, you know, there's a concert coming up in a couple months and we can't have nosebleed seats. We got to be on the floor. I mean, it's, you know, it's Jay-Z and Beyonce coming and they never come. So I need to do that. Or I got to get the fresh Jays for my kids. I can't have them not rocking Jays. They need two pair and I can't not go get this designer purse. I mean, I make $100,000 a year. I need to go spend this money so I can <laughs> show people on the gram what I'm doing, right? Right. But the bottom line is, is that your money you're spending needs to align with really what your true values are in life. And chances are those things aren't aligned. Chances are maybe the experiences might count for something, but that's poverty mindset, really. It's because a lot of us are just first generation coming into money and we feel like because now we have the stunt because we didn't have it when we were younger. And so we really need to think about where that thinking is coming from and see if that's actually aligned with who we want to be. And then start evaluating how we spend our money. Because at the end of the day, those Jordans ain't going to put your kids through college. Those Jordans aren't going to pay for your retirement. And those Jordans, damn sure, isn't going to provide for the next generation. So who do you want to be? Do you want to be someone who, like, when you die, you have nothing to leave for your kids? And again, we're starting back at zero. And that's why the average net worth for a Black woman in America is $5. Because we keep on starting back from zero. Or do you want to be that person that can empower the future generations and actually live your best life. Because I mean, forget like empowering future generations. If you're not able to live how you really truly want to live and be able to, you know, truly embrace the life that you were meant to have. But that's what happens when you get control of your finances in general, you live your best life. One of my buddies on another podcast, shout out to you, Mike, from the 15 minute financial advisor. His taglines is, he said, either you control your money or money controls you. It's so simple, but mm -hmm. it's so powerful. And it's exactly what you're talking about right now. So talk to us about your freedom story. Like you got that freedom. Tell us about that. Because I think like you have such an energy, such a passion about this, that being able to get down into the details, I guess the not so fun stuff, but the details of what really happens. And so people can be able to take some actionable items away from this conversation. Right. So the two things that I really had to do well, the two things that helped me was using the debt snowball. Well, the debt snowball is just listing out all your debts from the smallest balance to the largest balance, really attacking the smallest balance while paying the minimums on the rest of them. And then using that minimum payment once that debt is paid off to pay the next debt. So like that was awesome. Like that feeling of like attacking those debts, like knocking those debts out was addictive. And like what I like to tell people is, we didn't math our way into debt. And so people would be like, oh, well, you know, you should pay the highest interest card and all this kind of stuff. But we didn't math our way into debt. Like we got into debt by a lot of emotional decisions. And so we have to, you know, use those same emotions to get our way out of debt. And so that's why the debt snowball works. It worked for me. And so that's the method that I use to pay off my debt. But in order to find all that money that I was throwing at my debt, I had to do zero-based budgeting. And like I said, zero-based budgeting, and we were talking about budgeting before, is 
telling every one of your dollars where to go in advance. Zero-based budgeting doesn't mean that you have zero dollars in the bank at the end of the month. It means that every one of your dollars has a plan. So if it's super duper important for you to go to that Beyonce and Jay-Z concert, then make sure it's in your budget, but just know that that's taking away from your debt payoff goals, it's taking away from your kids' savings, but you have it all written down there and you know what sacrifices you're making and you know how to move your money around so that it's working for you because money is a horrible master. I mean, yeah, horrible, horrible master, but it is an excellent, excellent slave. So once you get your money working for you, it's going to continue to work for you until it's just working for you and you don't have to do anything. And so that's where we're all trying to get to. And that's what zero-based budgeting and what just budgeting and knowing and taking control of your money gets you just in general. Now, are you using any apps to do the zero-based budgeting? Because I know you need a budget app gives each dollar a job. And I know that's something that's popular with financial advisors and coaches. Do you use anything? Yeah. So you need a budget. YNAP is an excellent tool. I actually use Dave Ramsey's Every Dollar. And when I was paying off my debt, that's the app that it had just came out at that time. I use that and I use the free version. There's two versions. There's a free and a paid version. And the difference is the paid version just automatically downloads your transactions in there. But I always recommend people use the free version because I really want people to have a better relationship with their money and see how they're spending it and manually enter their transactions in and be like, yeah, did I really need to spend $32 at Chick-fil-A? You know, like, <laughs> I highly recommend the Every Dollar app. I still use it. Yeah, I like that. You said this and, you know, the name of my firm is Gen Next Wealth, helping minority families build, retain, protect their wealth. That's what we do. You said everyone deserves wealth. Tell me about that. Everyone deserves wealth. And I'm going to speak directly to the listeners. That, that means you, <laughs> like everyone, that means you. Yeah, I think we're conditioned to think that people who have money kind of got it in a shady way. And so subconsciously, that means that we don't believe that we deserve to be wealthy because we're not shady, right? We're very reliable, trustworthy people. And those people over there have money. These are the rich people. And even though I want to make more money, we can never get there because that's what we've subconsciously thought. But if you think of that, I'm sure you can think of an example of somebody who is rich, who isn't shady or isn't bad, right? And so like, if we can get out of that thought process that people who are wealthy are greedy or have gone through it by some kind of shady means, we can understand that, you know what? We can get there too. And like I said, you might on one side be thinking, yeah, I want to make more money. I want to do these kind of things. But then on the other side, have these thoughts in your head, like I'm not like those people. So those two things can't exist in the same level of consciousness. Like one of those things has to be true. Either you have to want to be better off financially, or you just have to believe that people that have money are shady. So I just want people to believe that you are deserving of wealth. People that have money aren't shady and it's possible for you. You make it sound so simple, but I think it is when you boil it down to, I always think about books that I read and I read this book, The One Thing. Like you can boil most of everything that you're trying to accomplish down to one thing. And I think that the message that you're trying to preach to people is that you deserve this wealth. And I think a lot of times, especially as minorities, we look around as black people in this in particular day and age, you look around and you're like, I don't deserve this. 
And if I do deserve it, then I need to be showing it off. And that's the real true symbol of wealth. And I think like just getting that simple mindset shift that I deserve to be wealthy will, will I think, give you the strength and the focus that you'll need to actually really acquire that wealth that you want. I know you said something earlier when we were talking about, you know, someone making $50,000 and then, you know, trying to get to a hundred. I want you to touch on this a little bit. This is before your journey, but you had a side hustle that you used to do when you were in college. And so the reason why I'm bringing this up is because there's people that are going to say, okay, I make my $50,000 and, you know, I went to school and this is what I'm doing and, you know, I'm pretty tapped out. But if they have another skill set that they can monetize, this is another way for them to do it. So talk to us about your skill set that you had that you used while you were in college. What you're referring to is like braiding hair. And I've been braiding hair since I was five years old because I was raised by a single dad and he couldn't even put our hair in a ponytail. So I had to learn really early. <laughs> and so actually I've been braiding hair for other people besides my sister since high school. That's what paid, you know, I bought my first car with that. That's what helped get me to college. And I have been doing that as a side hustle all the way until, you know, I went back to nursing school. This is when I was actually like after my master's even and working in healthcare administration. And so a side hustle is an excellent way to excel in any kind of financial goal you have. Even if you think it's just like braiding hair, people are like braiding hair. I mean, but like I made hella money. That was like an extra $2,000 a month. I mean, at that time, I wasn't as responsible my money as I am now, but I just like, you know, like things like that, people look at like, oh, I can't do that. They think they have to have some kind of super sophisticated side hustle to make money or they go work for Uber or Lyft, which is not, you know, always the best. Like, (laughs) I mean, that's something, but like a lot of times most people have skills that they can employ to help them bring in extra money. But the bottom line is you can bring in extra money, but you have to make sure that it's diverted directly towards your financial goal in order to get to where you want to be. But I just feel like in this day and age, you have no excuse to not make any more money. I feel like there are so many skills, even like online, you can be somebody's personal assistant, like online and just make heck of money. Like whatever, like think about something that you're good at, that you just think is second nature, that somebody is always just like, wow, I mean, like, how do you do that? (laughs) And I'm sure that that's a marketable skill. But yeah, like I braid hair and I can still braid hair. I can always go back to braiding hair. If I need it, like if everything fell apart for me, I'm telling you, I can always find a way to make money. That is so important. When I hear you talking, not just because you're from the Bay, but my first thing that I think about is E40 because E40 had, he said, side hustle. Everybody got one, right? Everyone has a side hustle. Back in the day, I used to cut hair. I would tear people's heads up. You know, I mess them up, but they was paying me for them tore up haircuts. You know, I did it while I was in college. And that's how I got my gas money. That's how I got my little food money and different things that I wanted to do. You know, I'd go cut the basketball team's hair or the football team, you know, guys off the football team. Yeah. So I think the ability to monetize skills that you already have is something that's underutilized by minorities. And then I think the thing that we do by most people in general, I don't even think it's just a minority thing. I think we look back at people like, you know, I see these YouTube sensations or these Instagram influencers or any of those things. And you think, how is this person so famous? And I'm like, they monetized the skill that they had and they did it before you did. They just started doing it. And when you go back and like, I think about Gary Vee and I look at some of his old videos, they were horrible. And now look at them, you know, and you can go on and on and on about different 
people that continue to push forward and believe that they deserve to have something they didn't have yet. It's amazing what happens when you start to believe in yourself and think that, you know, when you operate from that mindset of scarcity or you operate from a mindset of abundance and you start to put that out into the universe, universe will reward you. I just really feel like that. So tell us a little bit more about financially intentional. I mean, talk to us about that. So, yeah, I talked about it a little bit in an earlier stage. So it was just a platform that I used to share my story, what I was doing at the time to pay off my debt. So now it is morphed into this platform and actually just been recently featured in Forbes because of it, because I just use it to let people know what's possible once they just get intentional about their money. A whole new world opens up to them because it's not just about money. It's about the intentionality because once you become intentional in one area of your life, it tends to just feed into other areas of your life. So your mind right, you start getting your health right. And so that all makes you a better person overall. And so the platform is just to encourage people to just do better financially, but gives practical tips and share stories of other people that have achieved some great things financially that are just like you and me, because like I said, representation matters. Absolutely. I love even just the name of it, financially intentional, because we're usually financially unintentional and we just kind of go about things and we spend money. And one of the things I like to say is there's always too much month at the end of the money. And then we're sitting around looking around like, man, how'd this happen? And then guess what? Because we didn't start looking at our budget, our spending mm-hmm. plan, mm-hmm. you know, prior to the next month, preferably 10 days prior to the next month. I heard someone say <laughs> <Maybe>. that. <laughs> it might have been you say that you should look at your budget before you get paid so that you can give those dollars their jobs to take care of. And if that's paying debt, they can do that. And so thinking about that, And the work that you do, which is absolutely incredible. And thank you for the work that you do. As you know, this is the Minority Money Podcast, where we are changing the complexion of wealth. We're trying to get a little more melanin in that wealth for all of those people of color out there so we can get you ready to stack your chips and live intentional. And remember that you deserve to be wealthy. With that being said, what motivates you to continue to grow and learn? What's your biggest motivation? My biggest motivation is actually seeing people be able to implement the things that I share and how it transforms their lives. I have a person in my program, her name is Crystal. She was on the program for less than a year, was able to pay off all of her debt, her net worth to six figures, start buying rental properties to flip, like she's doing like big things. But I just see how it's changed her whole family dynamic. And that's what lights me up. And that's why I continue to share and do what I do. There's nothing like that, right? When people give someone some some solid advice, they follow it and then they start to see results. Yeah. And now she's inspiring others. So. And it continues. Do you think education plays a big part in wealth building? You know what? I think education is super important. And I feel like it doesn't necessarily have to be formal education, although I don't frown upon formal education. I think that formal education is a barrier buster for a lot of us. But I just think that it's really about getting knowledge and taking actionable steps after you acquire that knowledge, which is going to be super important. So whether it's formal education or whether it's just you learning things or being coached 
It's about putting those steps into action. So yes, education is super important. I'm a continuous learner and I encourage people to be continuously learning. I like this one, this question for you in particular, because I heard a little bit about your story on your pod. How has your family supported you in this journey? Well, my immediate family is pretty supportive. Actually, let me just go back because a lot of times I don't talk about this and this is super important is about the privilege that I have to have actually a very supportive family. So I have sisters that have lived with me to help me take care of my daughter. My parents keep my kids on the weekends. And so even if they don't know what the heck I'm doing with Financially Intentional and they don't read my Forbes article and (laughs) they don't listen to my podcast, they have my back 100%. I live around the corner from my grandfather. He's always been my rock. He's always been supportive. And so without my family, I would be nothing. So I'm super grateful for them. But yeah, at the end of the day, they don't know what I'm doing and they don't care, but they know that whenever I need them, (laughs) they're going to be there. So that's what matters to me. It's funny you say that because I think about my podcast and I'm like, you know, I'm talking all this stuff and I do all this. The profit's not a profit in its own town. And a financial advisor is not like one of my aunts actually asked me to do some financial stuff. That was like the big, like when you got family working with you, then you finally you made, made it. it. Like, like I don't they care. trust like, you. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> they see you at the cookout. They see you at the reunion. They see you at, you know, the holidays. And then, you know, like, well, I don't know. But <laughs> if they do business with you, it's always good. So that's so important. And I wanted to make sure that people knew that you had a strong support system and, and this is how you were able to get where you were. If you could offer a piece of advice to our listeners, what would that be? I really feel like there is so much information out here about how you can do better financially because this is a financial podcast. But like I said, it's really about just you being a better person overall. And you can get caught up in learning and learning and learning. But every time you learn something, listen to a podcast, listen to a lecture, listen to to taking one or rate, whatever your goal is, because we get bogged down by all this education and knowledge that we hear. And it kind of puts us into this like analysis paralysis, like you don't do anything. You can commit to every time you listen to a podcast like this, just doing one actionable thing from this. If that means from this podcast, you create a zero-based budget. That's what I encourage you to do. Take action. I couldn't have said it better myself. Take action. Like just take action. Man, this has been wonderful. I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. If the listeners want to get some more of you, they want to follow you, they want to listen to you, where can they find you? What social medias are you active on and and where can the listeners get a hold and get some more of you? So most active on Instagram. So you can follow me at Nurses on Fire podcast on Instagram or Financially Intentional on Instagram. So that's on Financially Intentional. I have a pop-in actually Facebook group and that's just search groups for Financially Intentional. And that's where I pretty much hang out. And if you're a nurse or not even a nurse and you're just like want to be on the path to financial independence, I have a podcast called Nurses on Fire where I share my story and other stories of some spectacular nurses that are doing big things financially. That's awesome. And I've listened to it and it was good. My wife listened to it. She liked it. She actually loved it. She might be listening to yours more than mine now, but it's okay. (laughs) Just okay. Yeah. So I talk to her about that all the time. Like, Hey, you listen to my podcast yet? She was like, I'm going to listen to it. (laughs) You better listen to my podcast. Back to that family thing that you're talking about, right? 
thank you for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure just sitting here chatting with you and the work that you're doing and how you're changing lives and impacting future generations of wealth. I really feel like that's what you're doing. As I said, the listeners know where to find you. And this has been a pleasure talking to you. This is the Minority Money Podcast. I am your host, Emlyn Miles Mattingly. Until the next time, we are changing the complexion of wealth. Another great showdown, but it doesn't have to stop there. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast app you're listening on now and give it a good rating, would you? If you feel really connected to the podcast, which I hope you do, find our Facebook community, Minority Money VIP, to support and be supported by others just like you. And again, we're glad to have you. While this podcast is meant to inspire and motivate you to live your best life, it can't be your complete one-stop shop. I know, I know, that really sucks. But I don't know anything about your specific situation. So please reach out to an attorney or CPA, or you can reach out to me, a financial planner, to help you with your specific situation. To get a hold of us, please reach us at fan at Minority Money Podcast. That's F-A-N at Minority Money Podcast so we can get to know you there. Thanks for being here. And until next time, 